Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Top 10 takeaways. Oh, with a fresh and revitalized pod father. Oh, I feel great. Finally. God damn it. It's been two weeks that I've been feeling terribly. I did a show, a top 10 takeaway show with a fever. I had a, I was total uh, respiratory infection mode last week. Just couldn't breathe. Couldn't think straight. Was not energized like I normally am and now I just feel great the few days after you've been laid low by some virus or whatever you feel so good like this is what living feels like and then you have the Sunday night game you have the Sunday games you have the Saturday night game and you're like this is what the NFL makes me feel alive the NFL was so exciting this weekend and it was just so great to be fully engaged Fully healthy, fully energized. This is a revitalized podfather. This is going to be me for the rest of the year. I'm convinced. I'm totally convinced. I'm going to be on 10, a 10 out of 10 for the entirety of 2024. Just watch. Just just watch me. Just watch me. Now, we will have some disadvantages this year. Ross, the producer, has retired. Ross, the producer, is on to bigger and better things. So, RIP, Ross, the producer, we're going to be producing the show with someone else, anyone that wants to be a show producer, basically wants to be the hype man in the chat and help me organize the show. It's uh, it's a fun job. Uh, Ross will be missed. He was great. He was the best producer we've had. So email me, podfather, at rotounderworld.com. Let me know if you're interested. We have a whole bunch of uh, roles here. Anyone that likes designing the thumbnails for the show on YouTube, uh, Instagram, slides, please reach out to us. We, we, the, the number of graphic designers that we need is going up year by year. The number of show producers we need growing year by year. The news desk, Bradley, the news desk, our news desk is exploding with content. And we're rolling out a whole new fantasy landing page on a content landing page on playerprofiler.com. That's coming very soon. It's a very exciting time for us. Very, very exciting time. But we have takeaways. And takeaways from week 17. Oh my God, there's so many good things. So many. I wasn't feeling great the last couple weeks, but some of those takes. Oh, some of the takes from last week. Some of the takes from last summer. Oh my God. Oh my God. The Podfather is delivering. 
Takeaway number one, Christian McCaffrey drafters, they're still walking around in a fog. They don't know what happened. They, they, they don't know their own name at this point. They're just stumbling around. They're kicking rocks. They're just looking down at the ground. They don't remember their, where they are. I get it, man. I've been there. I've been there. I mean, what a, a, an irony to be run over by irony with Christian McCaffrey. We'll get into that. CeeDee Lamb is now the wide receiver one in Dynasty. I just said it. I just came out and said it. There's a takeaway. Old wide receivers outperformed expectations in 2023. Will that be the case in 2024? We'll talk about that. Don't sleep on backup quarterbacks. Enough writing off teams, receivers, offenses because of backup quarterbacks. Backup quarterbacks have been great this year. Another takeaway. Takeaway number five or six. Whatever. Takeaway six. Don't question our rankings. Every time someone reaches out to me with a particular question about a particular player in the rankings, wondering why we have that guy so low or why we have that guy so high, we end up being right that week. We'll talk about that. Takeaway number five, I just, I hope you bench Patrick Mahomes like I told you to. Takeaway number four, Sean Payton is a movie villain. Takeaway number three, Bo Melton is here to stay. Welcome to the NFL, Bo Melton. Hope you all picked him up. If you played him, even better. In deep leagues, you played him. Takeaway number two, the pod father had a great year. I just had a great year. We'll, we'll talk about that. Of course, this will be a, this is a big told you so show. I'm energized, and that means more told you so. But takeaway number one, and no one is going to see this takeaway coming. The PFT commenter, and those of you that know the old school Twitter users well before X, those that knew me as Fantasy Mansion initially, all of you know who PFT Commenter is. PFT Commenter is the hero we need. And he was on a mainstream broadcast this weekend, and I was smiling. I was just ear to ear. I was delighted to see PFT Commenter on mainstream television. It was incredible. So those are our takeaways, and I'm going to get into all of them and more, a lot more after this. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. We have takeaways. So many people that drafted Christian McCaffrey just had their whole team on autopilot, as they should have. Like you just all you need to do is Christian McCaffrey. He finished the fantasy season as the top scorer. He outperformed everybody. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, the best fantasy player ever. Ever. I mean, I think he has surpassed Ladanian Tomlinson at this point in their respective careers. Christian McCaffrey has just been better. He's been more impactful. 
and he's going to play for another three, four, five years, just like LaDainian Tomlinson did. So he has surpassed LaDainian Tomlinson, but this particular year, he did not necessarily help people win championships. He got you there, and then a lot of people lost their championships, starting Christian McCaffrey with confidence, and he couldn't even get you 15 fantasy points because he got hurt. He sustained a calf injury, and is also playing Washington. So the idea that he was going to play the full game, get the full workload against Washington, given that the 49ers were guaranteed a, a buy that, uh, I mean, they were guaranteed the win against Washington, no matter what, no matter what running back was taking handoffs. Therefore, they're guaranteed the division championship and a bye week. So... The idea that Christian McCaffrey was going to play the whole game, regardless of the calf injury, was up for debate. Also, the 49ers could have just crushed, just rolled over Washington, right? Washington has a bottom five record in the league. They have one of the worst defenses in the league, and it could have easily been 40 to 7 after three quarters, and then you don't see McCaffrey anyway. But McCaffrey should have been the one, the, the the engine of those 40 points, and therefore put up 30-plus fantasy points, as he usually does. But the calf injury broke a lot of people. It broke a lot of people's hearts, and I would be more sorry about it if the whole reason why he wasn't con the consensus 101, the reason why Christian McCaffrey was not the consensus 101, given his upside, given that he's a 30 fantasy points a game player, and he's shown that in 2019. Everybody knows Christian McCaffrey has the most upside of any player in fantasy. But there's this huge injury risk that he's sustained lower body injuries that have torpedoed his seasons for the last two years. And everyone was holding their breath every week, hoping that he would come out of the game healthy. And then for 16 weeks, he's healthy. And then it's not a shoulder injury. Right, it's not a concussion. It wasn't a wrist sprain. Right, what happened to him? Lower body soft tissue injury. A lower body soft tissue injury for Christian McCaffrey. That's the irony of it. Like the the thing everyone was afraid of, and the reason why I'm drafting Jamar Chase. I'm drafting Justin Jefferson. I'm drafting wide receivers early and often. I'm a zero RB proponent. Because of this problem, because of the fragility of the running back position, and no running back is immune from it, and there's all different types of fragility. There's the fact that running backs are more susceptible to injury. There's the fact that running backs are more susceptible to having their role impacted by you know uh, new players coming in, new coaches, offensive line play affects running backs more than it affects quarterbacks and wide receivers. They're more impacted by game script. I mean, it's a very fragile position in fantasy football. And it has been, with the exception of Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's injury fragility has been the only volatile aspect of his profile. All these other running backs, Jonathan Taylor, it's contract volatility. It's role instability with Zach Moss. Right, it's been one guy, Christian McCaffrey, where you could you could distill it down to just one aspect of his profile that you would consider fragile, and that's amazing. 
Like that is hugely stable for a running back to only have one true concern. It's a major concern. It's the concern that led many to drafting a wide receiver over him at the 101-102. But it should we can smile at all of those who were expecting a blowout win and then they found themselves either in a competitive matchup and ended up winning or ended up losing in a matchup they thought they were guaranteed to win. That always makes you smile. Anytime a fantasy gamer who has, is, is overconfident gets sideswiped and the, and the thing that sideswipes them is not some random event no one saw. It's the reason why anyone and everyone might have been avoiding the player they drafted and that was the reason why they were in the championship game in the first place. It's great. It's just, it's a great feeling to see, oh yeah, I made the championship game and even though I'm going against an unstoppable opponent, it's not over. It's the NFL. And the thing that everyone was worried about, we still have one more week for it to manifest and it did. And I love Christian McCaffrey so much. That can all be true and Christian McCaffrey can still be somehow underrated, somehow underappreciated. That can all be true. And it is also true that Jordan Love more than doubled Patrick Mahomes' output. We talked about this. We said, hey, you got to look at who's actually going to score fantasy points this week. Jordan Love had outscored Patrick Mahomes through week 16. He then had a better matchup than Patrick Mahomes with better weapons because somehow... Travis Kelsey is no longer Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey and Austin Eckler aged very quickly this year. So it just made sense. If you happen to have Jordan Love and Patrick Mahomes, and a bunch of fantasy teams had both Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love, and Jordan Love was the reason why they were winning in the playoffs, and you just got to keep playing the quarterback with the higher projection, even if he's not the guy you drafted in the third or fourth round. We're here to win fantasy matchups, not just play our starters. I hope once and for all, the 13 fantasy points from Patrick Mahomes in Week 17 has destroyed the you start your starters mantra. I thought you start your starters was dead five years ago, but I keep hearing it. So I just have to keep talking. Stupid. And though Patrick Mahomes only put up 13 fantasy points, this was a theme of Week 17. You had quarterbacks underperforming, and yet... The wide receivers, their number one wide receivers, performing in spite of the quarterback underperforming. Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice, we look up and we, whoa, is, is Rashi Rice now a, a top 20 dynasty receiver? Where is Rashi Rice going to be drafted in 2024? That's that's an open question. So there's the there's some significant intrigue with the 2024 ADPs. We're already going to be, we're switching over. Right, the fantasy season's over. It's officially over. As of today, the fantasy season's over. So we can now start to look ahead and wonder and speculate on 2024 ADPs. Where is Rashi Rice going to go in best ball on underdog? Where the hell is Rashi Rice going to get drafted? I don't know. I'm interested. Where is Garrett Wilson going to get drafted? I don't know. I'm interested, right? Rashi Rice, as of this recording, a top 25 dynasty receiver ahead of Drake London. Okay, and Drake London did it again. Drake London, he got targets, but he got targets. He's getting targets on the wrong offense. And if you're in the wrong offense and there's no hope in sight 
for a quarterback upgrade, unless it's a trade for a Justin Fields, that's still possible, but there's a less than 50% chance, well less than 50% chance, that Atlanta trades for Justin Fields It somehow rescues Drake London. So until further notice, until there's some clarity and some positive signs for quarterback improvement in Atlanta, Drake London is outside the top 20, and you're going to look at Rashi Rice, we're going to look up, and he's going to be inside the top 20. He's the number one receiver. He's getting huge target share. He's putting up you know, the, the metrics we want to see. Now, are they the rate metrics that we're getting from Drake London? No, Drake London's rate metrics are better. Target share, air yard share, those are stickier, those are more predictive than yak share or yak per target. Those are the rate statistics where Rashi Rice is performing best, and they're not as consistent, they're not as sustainable as the incredible rate statistics and advanced metrics that Drake London is posting. I believe Drake London to be a more efficient receiver than Rashi Rice, and I would rather have Rashi Rice in Dynasty because they're a similar age, and Rashi Rice has Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't have to be that hard. Fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. What we saw in week 17 is an extending of the gap, a widening of the gap between Rashi Rice and Drake London and Dynasty. See, that's that's just a bonus takeaway. You see what we do here? We give you the 10 takeaways, the top 10 takeaways. We deliver the top 10 takeaways in the first five minutes of the show. That's been my promise to you from the last, what? Two months ago, we started this new promise of delivering the takeaways initially and having 10 takeaways, not having an open-ended 34 takeaway show. We said, no, no, no. For three years, we've done an open-ended takeaway show where there's 35 takeaways in a given show, but you don't really know what the top 10 are. And the show is called Top 10 Takeaways. You've got to give us 10 that you believe are the top. And I'm now I'm doing that. I'm making the hard decision of putting together all these takeaways and saying, these are the top 10, but yet there's these other takeaways like Rashi Rice, number two in the NFL in yards after the catch, less efficient than Drake London, but rightfully going to be about five spots ahead of Drake London by the end of the season in Dynasty. Bottom line, we're right to bench Patrick Mahomes. We also said bench Amari Cooper. I looked up and Amari Cooper had zero fantasy points, zero fantasy points. Amari Cooper is fragile, and Amari Cooper doesn't show up against difficult alpha cornerbacks. He either isn't active, in this case, Amari Cooper just wasn't active, or he underperforms. But that's just that's what Amari Cooper does, right? At some point in the year, at some point, you will be impacted by a lower body soft tissue injury to Christian McCaffrey. That is some, That is going to happen. History tells us that is going to happen. It could be week 17. Could be week one. History also tells us that you're going to get disappointed by Amari Cooper. When you need him most, he will not arrive. When the matchup is difficult, he will not show up. In this case, week 17, he wasn't even active. Bo Melton showed up. Bo Melton. I mean, I think it's. I think we should talk about Bo Melton, the sneaky breakout of the second half of 2023 has been Bo Melton. I think it's. I think. I think we need this. Let's put the, put your hands up. Put, put your hands up. I say put your hands up. Put them up. Put them up. It's a ball melting party, baby! Yes! Love that mustache! Oh, baby! Who doesn't 
some Luffo Melton right now. Rutgers, day three pick. Hyperathlete, dynamic, special teams whiz. Just great at football. Bo Melton's great at football. Bo Melton would have been one of my targets in the NFL draft a couple years ago, right? Even if I hadn't drafted Bo Melton, let's say I'm, let's say I'm a general manager. I want Bo Melton because he's got 80th percentile athleticism across the board. He was dominant at Rutgers in a low volume offense. He's got the quintessential size for today's NFL, like six foot, six one, two ten. Has that Chris Godwin body type. Even if I am not able to draft him, I would have drafted him because he didn't get drafted to like sixth or seventh round. But even if someone else jumped up and drafted him in the fifth round, and somehow they tried to stash him on the practice squad, if I were an NFL GM, I would have been putting a claim in on him. And every other general manager is like, why? Why did Team X? with that podfather general manager put a claim in on Bo Melton. And it's like, because he's great. I don't understand why 32 NFL teams let him slip to the end of the draft. I don't understand how that happened, but he has been worthy of our truthering for the last couple of years. And I just retweeted a, a truther tweet about Bo Melton today. It's just, it's a over a hundred yards and a touchdown guy went, Six for nine, 100 yards, and he went over 20 fantasy points. Again. And I, I said it as clearly as I can. I was the only one saying this. I mean, you can check the tape. You can go check social media. You can check every podcast that was recorded in fantasy football last week after his first big game. One big game. I would have said this even before the big game. But even after the big game, there's still no one's going to say, no one's ready to say, Bo Melton's better than Romeo Dobbs, but he is. It's clear that he is. And now, after two big games and Romeo Dobbs getting relegated, it's like, oh, wait, maybe he is better than Romeo Dobbs. I think we should just start having the conversation about Bo Melton perhaps being better than Romeo Dobbs. You think? Really? Now? It's a little late now. Now it's obvious. Last week it wasn't so obvious, which is why you listen to the Podfather. But he, as good as Bo Melton is, he's no Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed was awesome. Jaden Reed put up even more fantasy points, had, had multiple touchdowns. The majority of fantasy analysts believed Romeo Dobbs to be better than Jaden Reed this offseason, which was so cartoonishly, absurdly wrong. And we are now so right. It's just being this right, is it feels so good. And not only is Bo Melton better than Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed's better than Christian Watson, right? Who's ready to say that? Most people, it's so obvious, should be ready to say Jaden Reed is better than Christian Watson. But I can promise you, this is not a common take. He is. Jaden Reed has just put up a more productive season than Christian Watson had last year and much more consistent. Christian Watson had one big month. That was it. One big month. Jaden Reed just put up a big season. And they were both seniors. It wasn't like one guy came out early. It wasn't like one guy was dominant in college as a, as a you know, a mega producer at a big school. Christian Watson went to North Dakota State. And he wasn't even that productive at North Dakota State. What are we, what are we talking about? He had a good month. A lot of receivers have good months in the NFL. Remember this guy? Travis Fulgham? He had a good month. This is the one thing I always say to myself every day. 
Wide receivers are capable of great months, but not great seasons. Remember Travis Fulgham. God damn it. Remember Isaiah Hodgins, you people? Remember? Remember? God. No, Isaiah Hodgins is different. No, he's not. No, no, no. Romeo Dobbs is actually good. No, he's not. No, but Quentin Johnston. Because Quentin Johnston was a first-round pick. Not good. Okay? There's, there's players I like, like Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler, explosive. But the game situation with Nick Mullins at quarterback was not good. Right? It, it, the, the analytics around Ty Chandler and what to expect with Alexander Madison back, we didn't know what the touch breakdown was going to be. In fact, our projected touch breakdown for Ty Chandler didn't even come to fruition. We thought there would, it would be a closer touch distribution that the Vikings would give Madison more touches now that he's another week removed from being inactive. But no, Ty Chandler got the vast majority of the touches. That was great. That's a great sign for the future of Minnesota knowing who their best running back is and Ty Chandler getting significant fantasy-relevant touches in 2024. Great sign. What you saw last night from Ty Chandler was incredibly encouraging. Just the touch distribution alone, incredibly encouraging, and confirming that Alexander Madison is not just a guy anymore. He was just a guy. Now he's, he's less than a guy. Madison's now less than a guy. But that doesn't change the fact that in that particular game situation where the Vikings were an underdog and it was unclear who would be the primary back, you can't project Ty Chandler to be a top 24 running back in fantasy. You can't. And we had people emailing me, email me personally, subscribers saying, hey guys, I think there's a mistake with your Ty Chandler ranking. And I wrote to Billy and Dario and our, our whole analytics team. And I was like, guys, like we've got subscribers scratching their heads about Ty Chandler. And then Billy and Dario both personally responded with their take on the situation to the subscriber, explaining, yes, we are well below consensus on Ty Chandler, and here's why. Ty Chandler ended up putting up nine fantasy points. We fucking nailed it. And this isn't the first time. It's been time after time after time. Sometimes I don't understand it. Like, it's to the point where it's beyond me. Five years ago, I understood all the underpinnings and the mechanics of our rankings, and they weren't as good. They were more basic. They were more rudimentary. Now, with this analytics team and Billy working together, they're the best in the business. It's the best rankings in the business. It's not, I don't even, I can't imagine how anyone's rankings could be better. And every time, the beauty is every time we have a subscriber that doubts a particular ranking of a particular player, like cherry picking one guy where they're, this is really crazy. You guys are out of your minds. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know actually uh, why he's not higher, but I'll ask, I'll ask, I'll ask the team. And the team usually has an incredible rationale and then bam, we're right. And as of right now, as of January one, the all in package is available. You can get the all in package from January one, 2024 through January 31st, 2025. So it's, it's the 2024 NFL season package is available now on player profile. And if you buy it, subscribe to it in January, you get a free month, right? That's, that's how it works. You get through 
the end of January 2025. Every year, subscribing in January is it's the best month to subscribe. You get the best deal. And how about Lamar Jackson? Right? Lamar Jackson in the fantasy playoffs, the guy puts up 33, 20, 23, 36. That's been Lamar Jackson the last month of the season. Just awesome. Like winning people leagues. And I remember that Lamar Jackson was a was a fun guy to draft and my favorite quarterback to draft because there was this wide disparity between where you drafted Lamar Jackson and where his first wide receiver went off the board. Because of the lower volume offense, the lower volume pass offense of the Ravens, plus the fact their number one receiver was technically a tight end, then you had Flowers and Bateman and Odell Beckham going many, many rounds later than Lamar Jackson. That was a unique characteristic. You go across the league, Tyree Kill typically goes before Tua. CeeDee Lamb goes before Dak. Chase goes before Burrow. And on and on and on and on. This was a this was a unique situation where you could draft the quarterback first and then wait many rounds before you can start stacking him with wide receivers. There was actually only one other scenario where you could do that, and that was early in the summer, you could draft Justin Fields at pick 48 and then come right back at that turn pick and pick DJ Moore at pick 49. So that was the other sort of mobile quarterback with his number one receiver. It was Lamar and then Flowers, and there was Justin Fields and then back-to-back with DJ Moore, and the DJ Moore-Justin Fields stack also crushed as DJ Moore was a top-five receiver in Week 17. Justin Fields went over 20 fantasy points. So Lamar Flowers crushed. Fields more crushed. And so we'll be looking for that this year in 2024 drafts and 2024 best ball drafts in particular. We'll be looking for a mobile quarterback with sick upside whose wide receiver is going one or more slots after him. Because the vast majority of stacks are you start with the wide receiver and then you draft the quarterback. And Rashad Bateman was the target leader. Like He has been getting incrementally better. He's been getting more confident in the health of his lower body, he's been playing better. I mean, he had a, an egregious drop a couple weeks ago, very unlike him. He has incredible hands, an incredible route runner. He is fast Keenan Allen. But for the majority of 2023, he actually hasn't been fast. He's just been a discount, degraded version of Keenan Allen, a highly degraded version of Keenan Allen. Rashad Bateman will be one of my top sleepers in 2024. That you can write down. I wish I could say that I'm going to have a lot of Devon A-Chain in 2024. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of Devon A-Chain. The guy exploded in Week 17, which is going to absolutely skyrocket his 2024 ADP. That was the worst. If you were trying to draft A-Chain in 2024, this Week 17 performance was the worst thing. I said, don't start Mostert. Right? That was my advice, was don't start Mostert. I didn't know that it was going to be that kind of shootout. No one did. It was crazy. But there were certain players, like Mostert, no fantasy points. Mostert was inactive. I said, let's get this straight here. Hold on. This is great. I said, don't start Amari Cooper. Don't start Mostert. And don't start Patrick Mahomes on the takeaway show at the beginning of the week. Turns out, oh, Mostert and Cooper aren't even active. So they got zero fantasy points. That's about as right as you could possibly be. But had Mostert played, I probably would have been wrong, given what A-Chain did. Woo. 
I like him. He's such a fun player. Doesn't have a bell cow profile. It's never been a true bell cow in college or in the pros. He is a slasher who is a big play specialist, and those are unpredictable in the NFL. You can't be chasing big plays at the running back position. You need to be chasing touches. And we saw if you were just drafting touches to the top running backs, just touch machines that you knew going into the season, Najee Harris, top five running back in week 17, James Conner, top five running back in week 17. So touches remain king at running back. That's, hey, there's a, there's a takeaway. There's a, another bonus takeaway. And you're not going to, I would love to know Devon A. Chain's ADP in 2024. I don't know what it's going to be. I, I know it's going to be early, right? Garrett Wilson. No idea what Garrett Wilson's ADP is going to be, but I'm intrigued. Rashi Rice. Would love to know Rashi Rice's ADP. Super intrigued. So those are a few of the ADPs I'm going to be monitoring. And of the players I just listed, Garrett Wilson is the one that I'm going to be happy to just draft wherever he's going. To recap, my must-starts for Week 17 were Kyler Murray. Ding, 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 ding. Devin Singletary. Oh, see, it was on Instagram. I said, start Devin Singletary. On the show, I said, start Devin Singletary. On paper, it was the right play. He he, he put up similar production to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> but wasn't, wasn't necessarily making a big difference. You know, he, he got, got you the 10-plus fantasy points, but it was just a, just... The bare minimum with the touches that he was commanding and the game situation. He had he got the touches, he got the game situation, just didn't get the touchdowns like Kyron Williams did. Kyron Williams absolutely crushed. Kyron Williams was the best zero RB back because he helped you get to the playoffs. He helped you get to the Super Bowl once you were in the playoffs. Then he helped you win the Super Bowl. Now, the, the other late-round running backs or free agent acquisition running backs throughout the year, whether it be Rashad White, whether it be Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, they experienced bad games in situations that hurt you, right? They weren't consistent throughout the year. Rashad White, the entire first half of the season was disappointing. And then he didn't produce more than you know, Devin Singletary in week 17. So Rashad White put up eight fantasy points. You're better off starting Devin Singletary. So Rashad White had a dud first half, and then he had a dud week 17. So that's not a league winner, right? You could say, well, Travis Etienne's a league winner. Yeah, but Travis Etienne wasn't a zero RB back. Travis Etienne was a hero RB back. And he helped you get to the playoffs with an incredible first half, one of the one of the most productive running backs through the first 10 weeks. Then he dudded out in consecutive weeks in the fantasy playoffs, so he absolutely nuked your chances of advancing in the fantasy playoffs unless you also drafted Rashad White. So that was the move. It was to slot in Travis Etienne and overlay him with Rashad White. If you go back and look, when Rashad White was disappointing, Etienne went nuclear. When Etienne underperformed, Rashad White had a spike week. So you knew you were getting running back production from either one of these guys if you drafted ETN in the fourth round and then White in the seventh round. That was my favorite running back duo to draft, and it essentially guaranteed that you were going to get running back production from week one through week 17. But 
Kyron Williams was the MVP. Kyron Williams was the best value. Kyron Williams was the most consistent. Kyron Williams gave you the most spike weeks. And he showed up when you needed him most in week 17 when Raheem Mostert was inactive. That's the big difference. So again, my must-starts were Kyler Murray, Devin Singletary, Devontae Adams, and Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard gave you the top five week for a tight end. I mean, it's Dallas Goddard in what looks to be a shootout against Arizona. Again, fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. It's just the easy chalk play, Dallas Goddard. And then Devontae Adams. Like, Devontae Adams, he's got O'Connell. Oh, he's been inconsistent. It's Devontae Adams against the Colts. Devontae Adams against the Colts. The Colts get shredded by perimeter receivers more than any other team in the league. We've known this and talked about it all year. So when they play against one of the best perimeter receivers in the league, you need to play that perimeter receiver with as maximum confidence that you could possibly have. And the Eagles-Cardinals game was interesting in that it looks like a shootout. Like, it it was a shootout. I mean, it, it appeared to be a shootout because it was a shootout. There were 66 points scored in that game, but almost no fantasy-relevant performances. It was just the Arizona running back and the two quarterbacks. No one else, other than Julio Jones, no one was playing, scored more than 15 fantasy points in that game, which is it's a riddle. Like, How do you have that many points scored and that few spike weeks from the skill position players? But a lot more fantasy points scored in that game than there were in the Dallas Lions game. But the, the Dallas Lions game, though there were fewer than 40 points scored, which is so disappointing for so many of us targeting that game, in best ball, on underdog, got to load up and stack that. The Dallas-Detroit stack, so popular in best ball for all the right reasons. And then it's football. Like, they just didn't get to 40 points. But the opportunities consolidated around a couple players. Like, consolidated around CeeDee Lamb, consolidated around Amon Ross St. Brown, whereas in the Eagles-Cardinals game, the ball was just spread around completely. Like, oh, Greg Dortch, here's seven targets for you. All right. Hey, Julio Jones, 15 fantasy points. Oh, okay. So there really was not a shootout that you could circle on the slate and say, this was the game you needed to target in best ball. The, the game didn't manifest. I thought perhaps it would be Pittsburgh-Seattle. Pittsburgh-Seattle had a lot of points scored, but they were mostly by the running backs. It was the backup running back scoring a touchdown. It was Kenneth Walker scoring a touchdown, predictably. It was two touchdowns for Najee Harris. Puke. So it's like, hey, we got a lot of points scored, over 50 points scored, mostly by the running backs. Ugh, that's not great. Rams-Giants had more than 50 fantasy points. That's thanks to Tyrod Taylor. I did not like that game. I did not believe that the game situation was good for Kyron Williams or anyone on either team until Tyrod Taylor was named the starter. Tyrod Taylor makes that team viable, makes that offense viable, and then the other offense can, can instead of just sitting on the ball and, and milking clock, they have to go out and score. So he, Tyrod Taylor was the engine that made Kyron Williams the league winner that he was. Now that's counterintuitive. Was it Matthew Stafford? Not as much as Tyrod Taylor. Was it the offensive line? Yeah, sure. Not as much as Tyrod Taylor. 
It's difficult for people to fully understand and accept and appreciate how much the opposing quarterback drives the fantasy point scoring of the other team. And the best way I can explain it is look at some of these games with DeVito in the middle of the year where the Giants were putting up no points. They were scoring zero points. And then look at what Tyrod Taylor, look at the difference with Tyrod Taylor. But we just didn't get the shootout we wanted. Like The points that were scored were scored by way too many players on Arizona and Philadelphia. And there just weren't enough points scored when Detroit played Dallas. Mm. We have to talk about PFT Commenter. Okay, PFT Commenter, his name, by the way, is Eric Sollenberger. So Eric Sollenberger is or was PFT Commenter. Okay, he's now a sports analyst, podcast personality for Barstool. Okay, but before that, he worked for blogs. He was a blogger, and he had this this uh, you know this pseudonym called PFT Commenter, and he was a Twitter troll. Like that, you can go in today's media environment. That you can go from Twitter troll to serious football commenter. Like you can be appearing on broadcasts next to you know stereotypical play-by-play host, uh, you know jock X, jock Y, and then like towering over you, and then you at like five five, you're just like down here, like hey guys, it's me, Eric. I started a website and I created a fake Twitter account 10 years ago and I was talking shit on Twitter for years saying funny stuff and then sure enough I get hired and now I'm on a broadcast like that to me that's amazing that's me and it was the Toledo Wyoming game the Arizona Bowl so I saw the Arizona Bowl was on I saw that he was broadcasting and I was like this is amazing this is amazing and then he said one of the great quotes and one of the most insightful things that you could possibly say which is that if a play is awesome enough there should be a special rule where the referees count it no matter what so the refs should count a play no matter what if it's awesome enough and then what happens right later that night you have the Lions playing the Cowboys, close game, comes down to the wire, and there's an amazing play call out of nowhere, tackle eligible, Taylor Decker squeezes the football in the end zone, you get a 300-pounder scoring the winning touchdown, that play should have counted! It doesn't matter whether he checked in with a particular official or not, who cares? If the play is awesome enough, it should count no matter what, and that Taylor Decker touchdown should have counted. It's crazy. Thank you, PFT commenter. Absolutely right. Couldn't have never been more right. Except maybe. So he he also asked a question of a presidential candidate. So back in 2016 and 2015, before that, he was covering the election, the presidential election. And one of the Republican candidates was named Ben Carson. And Ben Carson is anti-abortion. Okay, so the PFT commenter asked Ben, this is in a serious like town hall. This guy found his way into a town hall and he asked, this is this is Eric uh, Sullenberger. He asked Ben Carson if he would travel back in time 
to abort an unborn Adolf Hitler. That was a thing that happened. He asked that question of a presidential candidate. That, that when a Twitter troll becomes a real-life troll, I mean, that is just poetry. It's, it was amazing. I love... Thank you. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to PFT Commenter. Less than 40 points scored in that Dallas-Detroit game. Amon Ross still got there with 22 points. CeeDee Lamb, 39 fantasy points on 227 receiving yards. That is your wide receiver one in Dynasty. So if you check back at our Dynasty rankings by the end of the week, you will see CeeDee Lamb in the number one position. I just talked to Theo today. And that is a thing that's happening. A CD Lamb crashed the Jefferson Chase tier. We reported it a couple weeks ago, and now he has passed them. Just like, just like that. So, looking at the running backs from Week 17, uh, Jerome Ford, another zero RB hero, 25 fantasy points. But many of you didn't didn't start him because the matchup was so bad. Right? Sometimes teams outperform their matchups. Sometimes players that have just been putting up. 11, 12 fantasy points every week, getting you know, touchdowns vultured by Kareem Hunt. It's understandable. If you didn't start Jerome Ford, no one would blame you. There was no way you could have known he would put up 25 fantasy points. But you go back and you look at, hey, Jerome Ford, Kyron Williams, Raheem Mostert, Rashad White. Just sear this in your brain. Oh, the aforementioned Devon A-Chain. Sear it. Sear it into your brain for 2024. Zero RB, zero RB, zero RB, zero RB. Hero or zero RB is the only way to go in fantasy football. And one of those running backs that you will be drafting at volume, I hope that he has like my most exposure in 2024, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson put up like close to 15 fantasy points. He wasn't even the primary back. He's a big back. That's catching five plus passes, and he's trusted inside the five. So they like Roshan Johnson in the red zone, and they like him in the passing game, and he has size and great football skills. There's nothing else you would need, and he's going to be drafted late in all formats. So just, it's called conviction. Like, I'm tired of you talking about Roshan Johnson. He never broke out. Did that? That's, see, that's right. That's right. Devon A-Chain broke out all over the place, including Week 17. And that made him very unaffordable in 2024. Roshan Johnson, the opposite. Very affordable. Take advantage. Michael Wilson, going to be affordable. Six targets. Had the touchdown. It's going to be McBride and Wilson in 2024 until they draft Marvin Harrison, which would be a good idea. You wouldn't blame them if they did. But until then, Make sure you get your exposure to Michael. Lock in your best ball underdog exposure to Michael Wilson before the draft. Make make the Cardinals draft Marvin Harrison. Make them do it. The odds are they won't, right? There's a less than 50% chance that any given team drafts any given player. Unless it's like you have the 101, you're the Colts, and it's Peyton Manning. Like There's usually a 101 that's locked in in a team that has a need particularly at quarterback, and the quarterback is the that is number one is the clear 101 that everybody wants is the golden boy quarterback, Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars, post Blake Bortles, lock it in. Okay, those situations exist. Marvin Harrison to the Cardinals ain't that. 
So lock in as much Michael Wilson as you can. So as I say that my highest exposure player will likely be Roshan Johnson, it's probably wrong. It's probably going to be Michael Wilson. It's going to be one of those two guys. One of those two guys. Right now, another takeaway that we had at the start of the show, backup quarterbacks, be careful just dismissing offenses because as a backup quarterback, in Week 17, Flacco, 28 fantasy points, Browning, 21, O'Connell, 20, Tyrod, 20, Heineke, 18, Zappi, 15, Simeon, 15. It's also the year of the old receiver. Talk about Julio Jones, 15 fantasy points, but seven wide receivers well past the AJ Apex were top 20 fantasy receivers. Calvin Ridley, not one of them. It was Adam Thielen. It was Amari Cooper. Cooper, 29. Thielen in his 30s. Debo, he's 28, actually. Debo is past the age apex. Debo was wide receiver 14. I did not know that. I did not know that Debo was that good. Wide receiver 14. Devontae Adams, wide receiver 11, on schedule, as predicted. Stephon Diggs, wide receiver 9. Keenan Allen was wide receiver 6. And just below him, because he dudded out in week 17, was Mike Evans, wide receiver 7. Mike Evans putting up seven fantasy points was also hilariously ironic in that he had 48.1 fantasy points in week 17 last year. So he had the exact inverted season from 2022, right? It was the opposite world season where he disappointed up until week 17 last year, and then he exploded. He won people millions of dollars on underdog, right? This year, he outperforms everybody's wildest expectations, was awesome throughout the fantasy regular season and the playoffs, and then duds out when you need him most in week 17. Perfect. Just perfect. Just the perfect, perfect, perfect outcome. Right? Yeah, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley didn't stand a chance in week 17. Going against Carolina, they are the dead zone for wide receivers, have been, will continue to be. But Travis Etienne, right? Travis Etienne crushed. It was like, oh, don't love the game environment, but Carolina gives up so many fantasy points to opposing running backs. You need to start Travis Etienne with confidence. You can't be worried that he dudded out two consecutive weeks. That just means that even more likely he's going to go nuclear in week 17, especially if they're playing Jacksonville. If Jacksonville is playing Carolina, why not? It's at home. It's Jacksonville at home against Carolina. Of course you're playing Travis Etienne. No one bench Travis. If anyone bench Travis Etienne, let me know in the chat. Shame on you. Shame. That's he got you there. Now, granted, you probably weren't in the in the very few of you even had the opportunity to start him because he was one of the reasons why you didn't make it to the fantasy championship game. Understood. But if you did, you started him, and you didn't start Ridley. You knew. You knew. You knew. No one. No one was starting Ridley. No one was. But oh, but 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 Kirk was out. Okay. Let's just do a quick check on my do not draft list for. 2023, right? The summer of 2023, who was I not drafting? Bijan in round one and two, Ridley in round three and four, Madison in round four and five, and five and six, and Quinton Johnston in round seven, eight, nine. All right. So to add them up, Bijan 8.6 points, Ridley four, Madison three, Quinton Johnston three. Those four players on my do not draft list had less than 20 fantasy points in the all-important Week 17. Look, cap tip to you. Cap tip. Quinton Johnston was out-targeted by Keelan Doss and Alex Erickson. 
That's the thing that happened. No Allen, no Williams, and Johnson put up three fantasy points. It's over. It's over. You need to sell low on him in Dynasty. Get whatever you can. It's over. Calvin Ridley, sell low. He had another dud with no Christian Kirk. And finally, Sean Payton. You need to talk about Sean Payton because that's who PFT commenters talking about and NFL analysts are talking about. Sean Payton actively trying to sabotage the team by benching Russell Wilson and then almost losing the Easton stick. It was a pathetic game. It was embarrassing. And it was offensive. It was offensive to football fans that he would do that. But you have to remember that Sean Payton is one of the few old guard coaches left. He's one of the few dictator coaches. You got Belichick, you got Sean Payton, you got a handful of guys left. We are cycling through these guys. In a couple years, there will be no more Pete Carrolls. There will be no more Belichicks and Sean Paytons. They will all be gone, right? Because the new coaches don't, don't do this. You have much more of a community-focused, player-centric coaching staffs coming into the league now. And they're doing a better job because of it. They're calling better plays. They're getting higher morale from their players because they're not demoralizing them. They're not demeaning them. And they're treating them as professionals, not as children. Russell Wilson has a $37 million injury guarantee. And reportedly, they were trying to convince him to drop that injury guarantee and it was to the point that it was extortion. Like, we will not let you start the game. We know you love the game. We know you have a passion for the game. We're going to use that passion against you, trying to extract concessions for no reason. Like, it's not a team option year. This is a contract that was pre-negotiated. You have no leverage. You can't do this. You have to try to win the game. You're in the playoff race. You could win the division. You could... You could finish ahead of Kansas City. This is your one chance, Denver. One chance to finish ahead of Kansas City. And you're going to actively sabotage the team's chances? They won anyway. But I really, I so wish, if we could go back and just change a few things about the outcomes from Week 17, the first thing I would change is make sure the Broncos lose and the Chiefs lose. Because then, then the uproar would be maximal. Broncos fans would feel robbed. They, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, though. It's the process, the process that would lead you to benching Russell Wilson, the arrogance that would have to get you to that place, and and just the the I mean, sheer greed of it. That no, that we, we don't care about winning. Like, it's just a mask off moment. Like it's not about winning at all for us. It's just about nickel and diming. Russell Wilson has never played fewer than fourteen games in his career. This injury guarantee will likely not be relevant. Who cares? Go win the division. I mean, the guy's doing his best. He has comeback wins on his resume this year with one of the worst receiving cores in the league. And you're trying to remove a clause that could theoretically pay him for not playing in a scenario that is highly unlikely given his track record. Makes no sense. Also, all NFL players are underpaid. So the starting point is, all NFL players are underpaid, and whatever they're getting paid and whatever guarantees are in their contract, they're not getting enough. There are not enough guarantees. There are not enough injury guarantees in NFL contracts. There's not enough money going to the players. More Boston University CTE data has been released in the last couple weeks, and it's damning. It's worse than we thought. 
That's one of the many reasons why NFL players are generally underpaid. And I'm happy that Russell Wilson is getting paid as much as he's getting paid. He gets hit a lot. And he's a very valuable player. He has earned NFL teams many, many, many millions. So I am Team Russell Wilson, and Sean Payton can go to hell. And Sean Payton can go to hell. Madison's now less than a guy. Turns out, oh, Mostert and Cooper aren't even active, so they got zero fantasy points. That's about as right as you could possibly be. Hey, Julio Jones, 15 fantasy points. Oh, okay.